Up dog, my man, the bat blue. Fellas out there, lots of things are better together, as we know, like playoff hockey or barbecuing with your boys, teeing it up, going to music festivals. Everything is better with the bat blue. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some of the bat blue lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA in Buffalo, New York. Updog fella, look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. Hey everybody, this is Steve Levy from ESPN and you're listening to Missing Curfew. What's missing curfew? It's when you kind of play guilty, but you show up. How nice is a green light on the road, though? No practice tomorrow, no playing, just go. Scotty Upshaw in the clear, and he scores! A few laughs, a little bit of fun, and obviously a lot of hockey talk. You're listening to Missing Curfew. Foul lads. Foul Oh, man. Fellow Friday. Fellow Fridays roll on here at Missing Curfew. We got a beauty this week. Legend. Love when he calls a game. I loved it too. I listened to him the other day call a college football game Saturday. It was, I, I mean, I'm like, Steve. Yeah. It was great. He did call it. What, what game was that? Was that? It was, uh, uh, it was a TCF game. Yeah. I, I heard him too. I, I, I'm like, that's, that's, that's Steve. It was, it's, I just, what a perfect night. I was going to, you know, I'm thinking, okay, he loves hockey. Voice of hockey now, him and ES, on ESPN, um, you know, him and Bucci. But what a, what, what a, just a voice to listen to a college football game to. You know, well-rounded guy loves loves sports, loves the Jets. Um, but was what a what a guy to listen to. Yeah, he's a pro. He's been doing it for a long time, and he dives in here actually, where he talks about um, you know the difference between call you know calling a hockey game to a football game, and you ask him about the Manning you know uh, cybercast that they do, and he makes a great point how football stops all the time, right? Where hockey doesn't. So he's always on his toes. He calls a great game. Uh, him and Bucci are are by far my two favorites at ESPN. Uh, this guy's been great to us. We talked to him about uh, the Frozen Frenzy that happened. Uh, we talked on some outdoor games, some stadium series games. Uh, he gives us some insight to what he thinks about, you know, there's some cool venues around the United States, so where we can maybe have games like that. So it was all cool what he said about that stuff, up dog, and just a pro. Yeah. Good hair. He likes getting on the road. I think he does. Has to. I mean, you, you put together a good group of guys to call a game with, and then what's better than, you know, calling a nice match, seeing some, you know, good live action, Knowing you called a good game and then getting out on the road with the boys, getting a, getting a nice dinner, nice celebratory beer after. I yeah. mean, this is it, it's good living. I I, I miss the road. Obviously, yeah, we fell a tour. We, we know you did that, but man, it's got to be nice knowing you call a nice nice game and then you're you're enjoying cold ones. I'd like to see him get a little more west than he does. Yeah, I don't know if he's got in his contract that he doesn't you know doesn't do the flyover states to come out west here but he's a busy guy i feel like he's in you know he's he's probably in connecticut every other every day every other oh, every day. day probably every day I would what imagine. a studio too yeah we touch on the studio and he touches on you know what the studio first was when he first went there which i thought was pretty cool right he's like now we got this 
it's basically like a, a college university says, but when you first showed up there, you know, much like Mr. Curfew, we got a great studio now, but right, you don't know what you're doing. They're just building out and now to see how big it is and have hockey back on ESPN. Um, you know, we touch on Barry Melrose, a guy that means a lot to him. That's been a lot to hockey that, that, you know, we both love. So it's a cool interview here. Um, great guy. And he's been great to Mr. Curfew. Okay. Um, so we got Steve Levy coming at you right now. Up dog fella. Up dog fella. If you're at the bar club or better yet on the golf course and you look over at the fellas to order something and they all freeze up. Well, I'd tell him, hey, boys, loosen up. But what would you do, fella? Exactly. Have some confidence, fellas. Or as Jagermeister calls it, confidence. If everyone's struggling, here's what you do. Just order for the table. A round of ice-cold Jagermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, up dog, we've all been drinking Jagermeister wrong. I guess so. And how do you think we should be drinking it? The fellas at Jagermeister... They wanted at zero degrees Fahrenheit, Uppy. You know what? Thinking back, oh, when that cart girl comes around the path, Obes, and the boys are thirsty, and you're just wishing, damn, I'd love just a nice cold shot of Jagermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging with friends or at the bar, call the shots, fellas. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jagermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check Jagermeister out at www.draftkings.com xjagermeister.com drink responsibly jagermeister liqueur 35 percent alcohol by volume imported by mast jagermeister us white plains new york welcome back to missing curfew up dog uh legend veteran when i think of i think of veteran veteran presence friend of the pod friend of the great hair great hair great hair i'm gonna have to ask him what he puts in there but coming he's coming off a tough loss last night to his new york jets but steve levy first of all fella thank you for taking the time and second what a lid that is the nordiques baby so i purposely wear this obviously not for you guys but when i wear it around town or on vacation i go someplace weird like 99 percent of the people don't know what it is right so you always know what so it's hey lady nordique or something like that hey you know like uh, you know, they're a, a true hockey fan. So I always love the logo. Um, you know, I'm not sure I want expansion, but I'd love to see the NHL back in Quebec. Those, you know, as a native New Yorker who grew up with Rangers Islanders, those Montreal Quebec games were out of control. Yeah. There's no, there's no, do you guys go back that far or not? Yes, of course. I do. I played in that Pee Wee Quebec tournament I'm, twice. <laughs> and I, I won. I knew he was going Listen, there. But I have to because he says, like, call say, like, I scored. I scored one Geno in there in the final to win the thing for my hometown, Fort Mac. Um, but that place was, you know, for me. I, I had Edmonton Coliseum, and then I had that place where my two only really NHL rinks I see until I was 16 years old, and that brings back memories. And Quebec, the city, the culture. I was young, and we're from you know a little tiny town in Alberta. It was yeah. it was amazing. So it'd be great to see him come. It was a tournament, yeah, Steve. Like I heard about it growing up. I was never on a good enough team to go there and play there, but it was the tournament. You heard of it? How come you didn't play it? <laughs> well, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna blame my coaches. My dad was the coach, so I'm gonna blame my dad, and I'm gonna blame the lack of talent on the rest of the team, Steve. It was you know, I gotta blame the rest of the boys. <laughs> fair, fair. That's uh that's one of the two NHL buildings I think I never got to. Uh, I still have, I haven't been to Winnipeg, the old place or the new place even, but uh, that in Quebec, I would have liked to see like Collison. 
I played in the old one in Winnipeg. Did you play in no. the old one? Yeah, the old one was, it felt like it was, yeah, in the American League, Manitoba Moose. It felt like, Steve, it was right, like you could grab up and touch the people in the nosebleeds. It was like right on top of you. That's the famous picture of the queen, right? Exactly. That old place. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, Steve, thank you so much, buddy. Meet up, dog. Uh, we love what you're doing. You, this is your second time on Missing Curfew. We appreciate it. We both watched you call the Bruins and Leafs last week. You did a hell of a job. Uh, I want to start with the Frozen Frenzy. It, it's something that me and Uppy had talked about previous year about trying to do an NFL red zone for the NHL. And is it just power plays? Is it this and that? Like, I, I thought it was great. I, I don't think you need every team to play for it to be successful. But a guy who that was sitting there running it, well, what were your thoughts on it? So, first of all, it was uh, it was win-win for everybody concerned, right? And and kudos to the NHL for thinking outside the box. Honestly, I think it was our idea. When I say our, I mean ESPN. Certainly not mine. I had nothing to do with it. Uh, but the, the NHL has been very open to outside ideas and trying new things and uh, trying to be first in some things, too. So, um, I thought it was a great idea. And listen, I did first... I did not get the full effect because I was on ESPN. We had the triple header, so we kept promoting it, but it was really Butchie and Weeks. Yeah, that's right. My bad. On ESPN2 and ESPN+, Plus, who were sort of facilitating the whole thing. But no matter what happened, before the night even started, it was a win for the NHL because there was so much hype, right? So much talk about it. And, uh, you know, when the ESPN hype machine gets behind something, that's pretty powerful. So that that was a win for the league that people were talking about hockey and uh, the games. And, and again, the clubs had to be cool about it. Uh, some of the fans had to be cool, right? There were some weird early starts, some weird late starts because of the staggering. Uh, but overall, it, was a, it seems like a, a slam dunk uh, to do it again outside of the scheduling issues, right? Like, I think they only played two games the night before, one game the night after because teams couldn't get there. You can't play back-to-back, whatever it was. But it was really cool, and I'd like to see it at least one or maybe two times every season going forward. Yeah, I think I, I think there's room for that. Do you do you see like the the ESPN does such a great job with Peyton and Eli on Monday Night Football? Like it's a great you know uh, by channel to to the broadcast. Great, it, it's incredible. With Arnold, did you see him last night when when Manning was doing the the audibles? He's like, oh turtle, yeah, turtle, you just go like that. He's like, like it was unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, but do you think do you think hockey has room to explore maybe that like a live stream from some personalities, uh, but whether they're in hockey or away from hockey, just talking about the game and just shining some light on on the personalities behind it? Look, the issue with that is football stops right every five seconds. Football stops in essence for thirty seconds, maybe forty seconds. So that's that's the beauty of that. Like I get the game is going on while the man is talking. But there's a lot of downtime. Yeah. And in hockey, we simply don't have that. So listen, if, if you were not so interested in the game itself and you had the right compelling people, absolutely you could work in hockey. And there are, you know, look, you two guys would be great at it. But you need the right <laughs> personalities. You know, and Peyton and Eli are obviously perfect for that. Up and miss half the game going to get his one going to his wine fridge. I'm like, up and missed the playoff. I was like, I got a good 2018 here. Rose. I got a 2018. It's nice. I tried to play a couple extra holes and get back for broadcasting. <laughs> no, but but Steve, you make a great point. I went and watched uh, the Ducks play their night live, and and whenever I go to a game live, I, I realize how much I actually miss playing. How great it was to be out there playing in the NHL. But one of my California golf buddies, uh, TD, said, when you watch hockey, you got to be on. Like you watch football or whatever you got to be on and when I was like he's right like when you watch a hockey game you got to be paying attention or you're going to miss it like that 
And listen, when you're doing play-by-play, like it's it's really hard. It's really different because the second I look down for a stat or a year or a rank or something, that's when the guy shoots it in from the red line and it goes in and I miss it. You know, like so there's there's no downtime in hockey, which is the beauty of the game, right? Which is the part we love the most, but it it really impacts the broadcast in that way. You have time to tell stories and in other sports. And, and actually, somebody asked me about this recently. I think baseball is the most difficult sport to broadcast because of all the downtime, right? You're you're manufacturing stuff. There's just, yeah. hey, fastball strike two. I, what am I going to say about that? So I got to go someplace else, a story. And, you know, and Vin Scully was obviously great. Yeah. He did it by himself, too. But hockey's so different. There is no downtime. That's the reason we love it. But it's hard to... To, to get these great stories out, these anecdotes, to champion some of the great guys, you got to do it in the intermission because there's no time during the game. It's so fast. Steve, don't feel bad about putting your head down and missing something when you're calling the game. We did that when we played in the league, right? I, 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 I was I, up here. Was that my guy or yours? I, think hey, I had guy. my guy. Hey, come I on. I don't know what you're talking about. Whose guy was that? Hey, Stevie, how hard would it be to call a game from, from the studio doing a live game to say, you know, I watched Weeksy do it on Saturday, the Oilers game. It was an afternoon yeah. or him and EJ, but – how hard is that? Like, I, I feel like to be, you know, I watched Chris Cuthbert do it live here in Anaheim with the Leafs game when, when and, and watching a pro like that and yourself, it's amazing. But you got to be over top of that game, calling it with excitement and, and to see the plays unfold. From the studio, man, that was just, I'm like, yeah. this is just difficult. It, it's So it's difficult because the natural energy isn't there, but it's also difficult for the actual play call. Like, so I call both sports, I call them very differently. Uh, in the in in the NFL for like doing Monday night or whatever it was, even on radio now what I'm doing, I call that almost entirely off the monitor. I'll be honest with you, I am almost entirely on the monitor for football. A, the stadiums are massive, right? There's no way for me to be able to see from the press box down at the goal line. Did he catch the ball? Did he step out of bounds? You know, all the little stuff. Is there was there a, a did the football come out? You know, and it's the whole catch no catch. But did he bobble it for a second? So that's why I'm on the monitor in football. The issue with hockey is the screen can only contain so much. And those, you know, you get a head man pass, you're out of the screen. I mean, so if you were on the monitor, you could never see that. And so in the arenas, which are much smaller than NFL stadiums, I'm never on the monitor. In fact, the producer's always a mayor. Hey, look at the replay of the monitor, check a pro ball. I'm never looking at the monitor in hockey. I'm I'm strictly focused on what's going on on the ice, so it's entirely different. So so yeah, what what Weeksy does is uh, Weeksy and e, our buddy EJ Raddick as well. That that Saturday showcase they have, or is it Sunday? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, they call it off the monitor. That's very very difficult. That's a skill all by itself. Up, just wants to see the boys get on the road. Hey, eh, Steve, he's like, let's yeah. get those guys on the road. Bellator. So they got Bella a nice tour. dinner and enjoy enjoy the party. Wants to see the studio for a game. That just ruins the whole thing, you know. Speaking of studios, one thing the Frozen Frenzy did uh, let out to the public is how big that studio is that you boys got at ESPN there. When, when Bucci went from one set to the other, I was like, if, if you had to go to the bathroom, I mean, it's massive, eh, Steve? It's a, it's a college campus, guys. It's, it's, a, it's a big college campus. Uh, that's how I describe it. Now, listen, I've been there a long time. I was there for one building. I was there when our, our, uh, our cafeteria was really, you know, a, a slot machine, you know, with Doritos in it, and that was it. And now we have our own Starbucks and we got shuttle buses and we got a security system and 
you know, it's it's a college campus. It's massive. The studios are spread out. That was a really cool drone shot, you know, buzzing around the building in Bristol. So, you know, Bristol doesn't have, it's not a major metropolis, right? But you come over a hill and you see these 12 giant satellite dishes and you realize this, you know, this is the home of the worldwide leader in sports, as we like to call ourselves. And it's a, it's a wild scene in this sleepy little town. Like, if you didn't know, you would never think ESPN would be there. And uh, But it's it's a spectacular campus. You guys uh, have an open invite. You ever get nearby, please come visit. I'd love to show you around. You know what, Steve? I was just going to say, we're, we're going to come out for the outdoor games, which I want to talk to you on. So we might have to jump yeah. in an Uber out there and come hang yeah. out with you for a little bit. But, Steve, I wanted to ask you, I've been texting with you, these, these commercials you're doing with, with Jack Eichel, with the Stanley Cup. And I saw one last night you did with Jason Tate. I'm like... First of all, it's it's so great and so clever, but how do they come up with that? Are you guys in those productions and they just say, hey, Steve, this is what's going on? Yeah, so it's not us. Uh, we're not that funny. Uh, <laughs> we're not that clever. You've seen the show. I'm the straight guy. You know, I just like to laugh a lot. So this started with a company called Wyden & Kennedy. They were the advertising agency, and the scripts were just so brilliant. They were so funny. They're just understated. Like everything we do at work is, whoa, hey, look, oh, bang, crash, boom, right? But the the spots are the other way. They're all, hey, we need you to take it down a notch, take it down two notches. It's the unsaid. It's the look. It's the smirk, you know? And so they're really fun to be a part of. Uh, I think ESPN got away from them for, I don't know, five, seven years. And they've started to come back now. And look, some are better than others, uh, but it's really cool to see the guys in it too. And I will tell you this, um, so back in the day, and I, I think it's still true, we, we don't pay the guys anything. The athletes do not get paid. I think it's a donation to their favorite charity, and it's probably a nominal uh, donation as well. But guys in the past were flying cross-country day of because the athletes wanted to be in it. For sure. I was in a spot with Ladanian Tomlinson, and he flew from San Diego. This was San Diego back in the San Diego days. He flew San Diego, Connecticut, and back in the same day. And again, I think we thousand bucks to his favorite charity or something like that. Like these guys, it was cool for the athletes, right? They wanted to be in it. And the hockey spots back in the day were really, really good too. And um, it's good to see uh, Eichel and Marcia so getting involved. And uh, those were a lot of fun to do. Yeah, the one from back in the day, I think it was I think it was SVP when Arnold Palmer was coming through this caddy and he goes to the iced tea and the lemonade. And then he walks by and SVP's like, oh man, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And he's, old with, he's with Stuart Scott and those two yeah, were like yeah. probably the best guys to ever have those those programs. But that's what I mean. It's just understated, right? Yeah. We did this one with Manny Ramirez, and that was in Manny's crazy days, and he was doing all these wild things. And so in the spot, he's just sitting there having a sandwich reading the newspaper. So he's doing nothing. And me and uh, Jay Harris, the other actor, were cracked. Look at Manny. He's crazy. Manny being Manny. In the, because he's doing nothing. Yeah. And that's the goof, and that's the spot. It's it's like a cameo in Entourage. It's like, who's going to turn it yeah. down, right? It's going to be there forever. These commercials live on forever. And and some I've been to a couple ESPYs, actually, Stevie, where you know they have you know, behind-the-scenes kind of you, you, the day of, and the guy's just laid back. and. Ryan Reynolds does a great job on his social media with stuff like that. It just like brings it down a notch, brings everyone in, makes everyone feel, you know, ESPN's doing things oh, right. Yeah. It's good. It's the best. And it's just we're just so against everything we do, right? Because everything are these big highlights and take it down a notch, yeah. bring it down. It's pretty cool. And it's cool for us to see the guys too. You know, like like I've spent time with uh with Eichel, obviously, but not so much with Marcia So. 
And Marshall was really into the spot. Like he wanted to get it. And what the athletes do not get, and I try to give them this heads up, like guys, I don't care how good you are, we're gonna do this 40 times. Oh, dude. I'm not kidding. Yeah. 40 times. Stack that the dishwasher spot is 15 seconds. Okay. The final product is 15 seconds. That could have been four hours we spent on that. Okay. Yeah. And those guys are in full gear. They've got their skates on. Okay. I mean, the first time I met you was on the set of Entourage. So we spent some time on the Entourage set. We know how long it is. But then we did some commercials for DraftKings and TNT. And then we did a little a little movie that I think we can. Yeah, but anyways, point being, we know what it takes like an hour to do one shot. We're like, you sure you don't got it, boys? You sure you don't got it? <laughs> and it's right. Different angles. And, and again, like in one of them, I don't even say anything. I, I don't have one line, you know, and we're going to do it 40 times. And I can see. You know, Eichel's starting to roll his eyes, and there's March still going, and like, yep, this is, you know, hurry up and wait kind of thing, which is kind of the broadcast production thing. Was it the real mug they had in there? Was it the... No, no. Oh, no, I looked at it. There is a backstory, and I don't know it, but, like, we had to go through the NHL. You can't just do a replica of the cup. It's got to be a certain kind. It's got to be a look and feel, and I... I don't talk out of school, but I think the league demanded we give it to them when we were done with it. So it yeah. doesn't get out there in public and circulation. And again, it wasn't the real deal, but we spent a lot of money on a replica <laughs> and the league wanted it too after the fact. I bet, but it was great when Ike's is like, should we run it again? Like, yeah, I'll run it one more time. <laughs> I'll run it one more time. But Ash, yeah. Steve, we, we couldn't have you on without without asking about Barry Melrose. I, I played with Barry. He was my coach in Tampa for a little bit. I got to know him there, obviously, throughout my career. And obviously a legend, everything he did for hockey. But I guess what I was blown away with was what everyone else at the network said. Uh, SVP, go down the list of people that, like how much he touched everyone that worked there and, and how much he brought hockey into that studio. And, you know, Scott Van Pelt said, I didn't know hockey from anything, but he would sit down with me as a coach and talk me through it. Like he really touched everyone there. So look, this was a, you know this was an emotional time for me, and I, I did it. And I barely got through it. I was lucky it was in the teleprompter for me because I probably would have lost it. Um, you know, I said it, and we did we did a bunch of treatments, so I can't remember where I said it. But you know, at some point, and you know, you guys have this chemistry too. And I don't know how you first got together, but at some point in your life, you're you're a colleague. You know, you start working with someone, and then you become friends, and you become really good friends, and then you become family if you're lucky enough, right? And I've been lucky enough to have I don't know maybe three or four guys I've worked with at ESPN who I consider, you know, dear, dear friends, family, who know everything about me and I know everything about them. And so Barry is one of those guys. And so, um, you know, I take this very personally. Uh, and But I, that being said, I will also say in my 30 years there, there is not a more beloved individual at ESPN than Barry Melrose. And the reason for that is, he was just so easy going, you know, like, look, TV, there was ego and personality and all this stuff. And, you know, not every analyst wants to come over early and stay late. Hey, you know what? We got to fix that duck sharks highlight for 30, a 30 second highlight at one 30 in the morning. And here comes Barry. He's all dressed and the hair's perfect. smells <laughs> great. You know, and he's got a smile on his face. Like he just loved everything. And, and so I got to catch myself here because you know, one of the concerns was when we did the whole tribute, like, he's not dead. I, I talked to him yesterday. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's fine. He's just not working. He's just retiring, and he's, he's working on his health and getting right. But uh, such a beloved figure. And, uh, look, I'll use your platform for it to 
Um, you know, I know he wasn't a great NHL defenseman in his six, seven years. I know he wasn't a great NHL head coach. He had that one great year. He had Gretz. I get it. Go to the cup finals, a rookie. But for what he has meant for hockey, uh, I believe he deserves to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame for the contributor or the Foster Hewitt Award, whatever that might be. And so I know Butchie and myself and some other people, we're going to try to pick up that fight. I've been in touch with Chuck Caden. He runs, I guess he's in charge of the committee that votes on that. And, and in the end, it'll be, hey, take the airport test. And I hope you guys know the airport. I walked in the airport with Barry Melrose and put him next to anybody else. And you want to see people run. They run right to Barry, and they all know it's because of hockey and what he has meant to the state uh, in the U.S. to the sport of hockey, specifically when we didn't even have the rights to the games. Those 16 years we didn't have the games, it was still Barry. It was still NHL, hockey at every level. And he's uh, just the best guy, and I love him. So, Yeah, that's what Lala yeah, well, says. This is an O&L, remember that? <laughs> I, sh- I sure do. He was Mr. ESPN NHL. Yeah. He, he the face of it, um, we're honored to have him as a as a guy that we that we looked up to in the U.S. for that. Like, what a coach! Yeah, I, coach. when I remember when you know we hired him in Tampa, I went, "Holy, Barry Melrose, all right, here yeah. we go!" And he walked in with his hair perfect and his big suits oh. on, and he goes, "I'm like, hey, coach, how you doing? Hey, Obi, you know, love your game, buddy. Have a good camp." I'm like, "Holy, that is Barry Melrose, and he is my coach. Like, what a guy!" Hey, and Obi, you'd be you'd be his guy. You'd yeah. be his type of guy, and that's you know that's the game you want to play. Now, listen, the game's not played that way anymore, and I think we all get that. Barry, you know, Barry still wanted to uh, impact players that way. Listen, I know we lasted sixteen games. There was some stuff with ownership I know about, and I think he sat Stamkos. It was yeah. Stammer's rookie year, and you know, as a rookie, even though the number one overall pick, he you know he wasn't playing in his own end or whatever it might have been, you know. And so I think Barry was old school. You do that with the uh, you uh, you police players with ice time. That's the only thing you can control. And uh, so Barry tried to control that. I you know I'm not sure ownership like that. Yeah, all those kinds of things. But that's where I was going. He, he got paid, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And he stayed down there. He bought a house down there. Okay. Yeah. So, Their ownership yeah. and listen, I I, I like Len Barry. I'm I, I Tyson Barry. I, I love Tyson. I like Len. Orrin Cool's a good guy. It was a gong show from the beginning. Barry didn't stand a chance. Nobody stood a chance. It was just they barely had enough scratch to even get the team, and they they bought it. And then it was just like next thing you know, I was trained to Vancouver. I'm like, God, what happened here? What happened? I don't. Uh, I think they had a winning record too. I, I think they had a winning record when they let Barry to go too. Like it wasn't that bad. So. Yeah. Steve, before we get into some teams here, some guys in the league. You know, we just had the Heritage Classic up up in Canada. We're gonna do the outdoor games at MetLife. I don't know, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I, I'm kind of over the the games and the big football stadiums. But I think there's so many beautiful parts of this country and in Canada, you know, like Lake Louise and Banff. Like, do you think there's any way these TVs games could be on a, I don't know, up in Joshua Tree in California and make a rink there or, or somewhere? I, I don't know. Is there any way we could do these different games just in a big NFL or baseball stadium? So, look, we've proven they can make ice anywhere. Like, the climate almost doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So that that's the first step there. Listen, I think it's watered down a little bit, too. When it was one game a year and it was the Winter Classic, like it was special in super cool venues. Um, and listen, I, I've been to a couple as a fan. I went to that first one in Buffalo and Crosby and the Penguins come out in the light blue road. You yeah. Know, snow coming down. I mean, it was snow globe spectacular. And um, But, you know, you're going there to be part of the environment that you really can't see what's going on in the game itself. The seat at home was actually much better. So, uh, listen, we're excited. 
Uh, Raleigh did a great job last year uh, being outdoors. Uh, it's, it's something new this year. We'll go back-to-back. So you get four teams involved in the same weekend in MetLife. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'd like to see some different venues. I, I'd like to see some different places. But it's almost like, you know what, it's it's cats out of the bag. Like, it's, it's already too good. People clamor for it. These markets want it. It's obviously a money maker. It's it looks great on TV, and um, so I I don't see it going away anytime soon. Uh, and maybe they won't add any more. But let's change the venues up a little bit. Sure, I don't. We don't need to go back to Fenway Park again. Let's there are other other places out there that would be just as good to see for the first time. One last thing on that. Have you you've obviously been to the Rose Bowl throughout your career, right? I went there for the first time. I mean, to me, when I walked in there, Steve, I thought outdoor hockey game would be great because it's smaller. It's not a big, big, massive football stadium, you know? Buddy, that's an, I haven't heard anybody say that. And, you know, the Rose Bowl, uh, they're the only one of the big bowls that has to have a kickoff at a set time. Like, that's in the contract. It has to kick off. And the point is, so sunset. You see the sunset yeah. over... I'm not sure. San Gabriel Mountain. Whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what it is. San Gabriel's yeah. spectacular mountains. That spectacular, iconic Rose Bowl shot, and so that would be a really cool look. Um, obviously, you couldn't do it on New Year's Day, you know, because yeah, Rose Bowl is on New Year's Day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at another time, maybe in another month. That'd be a really cool idea, bud. I'm up for it. Yeah. Well, if that happens, dinner on us in Hollywood, buddy. We'll start it off. All right. We'll take Hockey's really take. Hey, yeah. Uh, You'd be doing a good job, Steve, because hockey be taking over if we get that New Year's Day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve, let's talk a little bit about the parity with the the skill in the league right now. Um, you know, you're looking at uh, Ilyas Pedersen's leading the league in scoring right now. Vancouver Canucks are are on fire. Um, the Hughes brothers, Kucherov still doing his thing. But just the, the amount of skill right now, you know, we're 10, 12 games in. Guys are really on a showcase, um, you know, puck movement, uh, you know, different line combinations uh, that are working well. What do you see so far with, uh, you know, with that high skill and the comebacks? The comebacks last night, the Tampa Bay, I don't know if you saw that, but Tampa Bay-Toronto game last night was wild. Uh, yeah. but that parity in the league is great. Uh, listen, that. That's probably Gary Bettman's number one mandate, right? Parity in, in the league, you know, and we want uh, we want new blood in there. Last week, I want to get this number right. I think there were five teams in playoff position who did not make the playoffs a season ago, and that's good for business, right? That's good for the league. Uh, Ferraro, you know, is not a great statistics guy, numbers guy. He blurted out something. I had to double check myself on it. U.S. Thanksgiving, which is what. Three weeks away, yeah. three weeks away, if you're in a playoffs, traditionally, 80% of the team, 80, that's a massive number. If you're in a playoff spot with, what, four or five months to left in the regular season, you're going to make the playoffs. So that's the real first benchmark. And um, the league is great. The skill has never been better. Even you watch, you watch clips back in the 80s and the 90s, these are great players and you know, there's no way they can compare in terms of the skill and the speed. Now, listen, these guys don't have to worry about getting t- their head getting taken Yeah, no kidding. Get, right? That allows you to move a little faster. We're talking about, you know, not looking and having your head down. Like, that allows you to keep your head down an extra second and make that move. But the game is fun. The comebacks are out of control. I think half, just about half of every victory this season so far has been a come-from-behind victory. And so that's great for the game too, right? You never turn the game off, never leave a sporting event early. 
I did leave the Jets Chargers game of the two. Yeah, that's okay. Blame you. I shut it off too. <laughs> there was no comeback there. So, uh, but the games have never been in better. And it seems like there's one or two guys now on each team. So it's that's the parity. Also, it's not just the team parity; it's the individual parity. Uh, very upset and see the Jack Hughes injury. You know, here week to week, here in a month. You know those kinds of things. But you know. Maybe, maybe there's a new face in hockey. I'm not sure people thought of Jack like that. And maybe he is the guy. And I love what Tox's doing in Vancouver. Let's make the Canucks relevant again. I can't believe the start they're off to here. You know, now can they keep it going? Yeah. Um, I, I want to ask you about a couple of, uh, you know, older guys. Obviously, guys that we played throughout our career. Father Time's undefeated. We got Ovi and Sid right now. Both their teams are near the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Uh, and you're right about American Thanksgiving. As, as ex-players, when you look at the schedule then, you kind of know where you're sitting. What are your thoughts on both those teams and both those guys so far in this short sample size? Listen, I'm, I'm never concerned about those guys. I'm more concerned about what's around them, right? Uh, I saw Washington on opening night. Again, it was the opener. Um, they just looked like they didn't have a lot, you know. They didn't have a lot going on. It looks like it could be a really tough season for them. Uh Backstrom, it looks like, is not going to, you know, yeah. by all accounts, not going to play again this season while he's sorting out his health. So, you know, all the focus is already when you play the Capitals on Ovechkin, and now, and now it's even harder for Ovi, too. So, and listen, you know, this sort of upsets the timeline for Ovechkin and his chase of Gretzky, right? We thought, hey, maybe January next year. Well, if this thing slows, who knows how next year goes? Maybe we'll do another season. Kind of like the Bill Belichick watch, too, right? Patriots having a bad season. How's he going to catch Don Shula? Now we're looking at two or three seasons. Can he survive two or three more seasons? Maybe not. So, you know, so that's that's Ovechkin. And Crosby and Pittsburgh, I like the idea what Pittsburgh was doing. They were going to give this one real, one last kick at the can, right, with their core group, adding an Eric Carlson. I really liked what they were going to do. And then I thought they got off to a pretty good start. I was like, okay, here comes Pittsburgh. Uh, it's a long season. We'll see how it shakes out. But as you started with the whole thing, father time, you know, he even got Tom Brady at some point. You know, so <laughs> it happens to everybody. Did, did it really catch Tom? Because, geez, uh, it's still, still, I, I still I mean, think he could slay yeah. it for about half the teams <laughs> in the league right now. Uh, Stevie, talk about a little bit about maybe one or two of your surprise squads so far this year. You know, we got one here backdoor, the Anaheim Ducks, who lately have just been no. just been sticking it to everybody. Uh, what a road trip they had out east. But you know, besides them, anyone stand out to you? And then, uh, you know, we're, we're like betting guys. Is there anyone that you're you're like, you can't count these guys out. I've seen them play live. They're, you know, they're fast. They're looking good. good. Yeah, they're good. Well, so, so Boston is one of those never count them out, right? Crazy. You remember the start of last season, right? They had all the big boys were hurt and going to be for months, right? It was McAvoy, Bergeron, Marchand, right? And said everybody was like, hey, look, you know, hold, you know, keep – Keep around 500, right? Stay in the race till everybody gets back, and then you can make a push. They go on to the greatest season of the hockey history. And this season, no Bergeron, no Krejci. The goalies can't possibly be as good as they were last season, and they are, and they have the best start franchise in history. So Boston seems to have that, that magic. I love Jim Montgomery can win coach of the year back-to-back -back seasons. I mean, that would really be saying something. Uh, we already touched on Vancouver. Their start, you know, that has to be a surprise. I knew they'd be better, but not like they are. I even had Arizona's maybe a sneaky wild card team, right? They're kind of fun all of a sudden to watch. 
I'd love to get the mullet. I think that's cool. You mentioned Arizona. I mean, uh, uh, Anaheim. Uh, speaking about all the come from behind victories, like these are teams that are normally, you know, sort of afterthoughts, right? You know, under the radar teams that are pushing themselves into the conversation. And um, I think that's really cool. That that's really good for the game. I thought Carolina was going to come out on fire. Yeah, me too, bud. I thought Carolina was the the class of the East, and you know they have goaltending issues and help. They always seem to have it, and it's not normal injuries. Like Freddie's got, it's a blood clot now. You know, it's not a it's not a shoulder. It's not a handy. Right? Their goalies seem to come up with some weird injuries, and their depth is tested every year, especially in the playoffs. And now they're dealing with that again. So those would be a couple of thoughts. I, w- I want Buffalo to be in the mix. I want Buffalo to be the Vancouver of the East. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think Buffalo should be taking that major step and haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that's because they still haven't taken that step on how to play defense. But, I mean, they're they're getting a little bit better. But I, I'm with you on Carolina. And that updog bumped into the great one in Toronto. And after I said, I was grad student, he said, good. He said, doesn't love Carolina, Holmes. I'm like, what? What do you mean he doesn't love it? The great one doesn't love it. So maybe we were off on that one, Steve. But I want to talk to you about a team that, is nowhere near the playoffs. And listen, I've been on some bad teams. I I know what these guys are going through, but the San Jose Sharks giving up 10 back-to-back. You've been around the game a long time. You saw the old expansion teams. Have you seen a worse team than this team right now, like back when the Minnesota Wild came in? Or is there a team that jumps out to you? Got to be honest, I haven't seen them at all. I haven't watched one second of San Jose Sharks. <laughs> you haven't missed uh, much. I feel bad for uh, Quinter there, that coach. He's in it. You know, I think you take that job. Uh, you understand what you're walking into, right? You get it, but you can't expect it to be this bad. And um, I think their goal differential is, you know, I don't know, it's minus 60 or something. Yeah, it's, right. ugly. it's ugly. After 10, 10 games or something, that, that, that's hard to do. So <laughs> they had, you guys, I'm sure you guys saw it on the social media. That poor kid, my first Sharks game, he had the sign, and the graphic was they were losing 10 nothing or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one. So. Uh, that's a rough spot. You feel for those guys in that room and uh, whatever veteran leadership they have there. What's Joe Thornton doing? I like Joe. Joe I let Jumbo come back and work the half fall right now. Marlowe, Boiler, get them all back there. Heater, get them all. They they couldn't do any worse than these guys are doing. But it's funny that kid with the sign. Imagine twenty years they win the cup and he has that sign. He's like, wow, this is when I was a fan. They were losing ten nothing. But Steve, is there a team that jumps out to you in your history of working this game that? Maybe it's as bad as the Sharks. I know you haven't watched it, but is there a team that jumps out back in the day that I don't sorry to put you on the spot, but Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Like, like listen, you know, the Florida Panthers were awful, right? For a <laughs> long, long time, right? They played in sunrise and you know, they kept curtaining off the building. There's the two top sections now up top behind the goal. Like they kept shrinking the official capacity. You know, it, it wasn't the mullet at five thousand, but it was probably, you know, that's a twenty thousand seat building. Maybe they made it twelve or thirteen thousand. You know, Washington went through some really, really lean years. I saw that. Um, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh had some lean years too. But but you guys know it takes it takes a draft pick, and you have to crash and fall to the bottom. Hope in the lottery you get the one pick. Hope that year there is a generational talent out there, and and that's how you turn these things around. But. You know, Florida and Washington are two great examples, uh, I think, of teams that were really, you know, and organizations that were down and out, sort of falling off the radar there, um, and and that have rebounded and turned themselves around and become successful models. 
Well, the San Jose Sharks set the benchmark back in 92-93 with the most losses at 71 losses in the NHL. I'll in, take in, the in, over right now. That. I'll take the over on that, oh, Steve. Well, I, I think they get more than 71 losses this year. I mean, that's you got to you got to tie a couple, right? There was ties back then, wasn't there? <laughs> that's know. even worse. There was ties back then. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, so uh Talk about the rookie, losses. the rookie class, Stevie. You got Cooley, who's been stepping up. It was his his pick for. for yeah, here, let me tee it up, Steve. Yeah. I, I've been taking some heat. Yeah. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sold on Bedard like my boy. I'm Sean Loop, so but continue on. But that, that I'm not hundred percent sold on him. I think just because there's a big class, right? He doesn't want to give this just this rookie Calder talk right to Bedard, and he's sizing him up a little bit. He's like, I'm not sure he's big enough. I'm not sure he's fast enough, but. I don't know what game he's watching. He looks, <laughs> he looks pretty fast to me out there. But your thoughts so far? I mean, the kid, he's, you know, shot attempts. He's up top of the league. He's, you know, five goals in 10 or 11 games now. Like, so he's, I mean, he's on pace for a pretty hell of a, you know, hell of a good year. Well, I, I, I picked Fantility just because I don't want to be chalk. I don't want to be chalk guy either, right? Everybody says Bedard, Bedard, Bedard. I honestly, I have not seen a lot of the other guys. Um, we go back to the ESPN the PR machine, right? And, and Bedard got all the love, and we were there for, you know, I don't know, his first four or five games, it seemed. I watched him in warm-up, too. I mean, I mean morning skate, everything has a – every shot, even in morning skate, has a purpose. That's what I noticed. And, I, you know, I know nothing compared to you guys, but even I could see that, right? Every shot, he was wiring stuff, even, even empty net, no goalie. And um, so that was really interesting to see. I did get a chance to meet him. Look, facially, he looks very young. You know why? He's very young, yeah. okay? Yeah. We all look the same way in 18, too. But he's got the lower half. He's got the thighs. He's got the strong core, I think, on the bottom. And uh, and he's not afraid, right? He's not intimidated. He's not afraid. Uh, you know, I would think he'd get a lot of young guys. Now, this would be on a good team with superstars around him. You wouldn't want to shoot the puck, right? You want to pass the puck. I think Gretz always talked about that, too. He'd have new teammates who were him on the line, and they'd be afraid to shoot. They always defer to Gretz, right? So to be a, a star player, you have to be somewhat selfish in the most unselfish sport, which is hockey. And so Bedard's got that. He is not afraid to shoot the puck. Uh, he shot attempt, shots on goal. Uh, all those kinds of things were, were, were skewing very high league-wide, not even among rookies, among all players. Now, he's getting top-line minutes, right? He's on uh, the power play. So he's getting those opportunities. And I, I think he's got the goods. Um, and again, he might not win rookie of the year this year, but but I, I think he looks like he's going to be a, a stellar player, the next great player in the game. Mike, two cents. See, Steve, when he shoots the puck, he's shooting to pick the top quarter. I was just shooting to hit the net. So I was shooting with purpose too, but I was like, how can I just hit this four by six? How can I hit this thing and not miss it? Ow. Um, you were looking for the pad, the pad for the rebound, the assist. I was looking for Uppy going to the net, pass off the pads, Uppy bagging in for me, fellow, bagging in for me. But I watched a kid play live the other night, Leo Carlson, who I got to be honest with you, I didn't know much about. I watched him play a little bit at the World Juniors. I don't know if it's just a number 91, which I absolutely love, but this kid, to me, is checking all the boxes. He looks big. He looks smart. He's got good stick awareness. I, I think Pat Verbeek got this one right, Steve. So listen, I'm a Verbeek guy, okay? I think we talked about the last one. I think he probably belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think Verbeek's done a really good job there. I like the way he's handling some players. Um, I like the way he handled the Zegers contract negotiations. Like I think we're starting to see the Ducks turn into something here. And again, it's still probably a year or two away. But I'm a Verbeek fan. 
Um, they seem to always get that second pick, right? Like they can't get the first guy. Yeah, because Bemba doesn't let him. Yeah. Right? Said the kid, yeah. Right, right. It just doesn't seem to fall that away. And um, so you got to make the most of it. And um, again, I haven't seen him personally play. Uh, I heard he's got some good bite to him too, which, you know, it's obviously I respect and, and wanted all my players. Uh, but I think good good things are coming for Anaheim there. And that has the chance of being – you know, a really great hockey market again because the Kings look like they're headed in the right direction too, right? The Kings could be a real contender here. And if the Ducks kick it into gear, you know, there was a time when that LA Anaheim thing was fun. That was fun to watch. Yeah, Steve, last one for me, buddy. We, we talk about the salary cap and and we bring up the luxury tax a lot. I'm, I, 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 you know, it's never going to happen under Gary. Gary's come in here. He's met, he made the standard for the hard cap. I would love to see a luxury tax just to give these GMs a little bit more room to wiggle and the better teams be able to make moves at the deadline as a guy who's been around the game and seen no cap to a cap. What's your feeling on luxury tax? Maybe someday. Yeah. So I would be in favor of it too. Obviously the players would be in favor of it. Obviously you're benefiting the, the rich owners, right? You're the, the big market teams for the most part, because they'd be willing to spend and be willing to pay the luxury tax. Uh, what I don't like what's going on right now is, is the handcuffing of these organizations. And um, you know, some teams can't even dress a full roster and they can't carry extras and you're stuck with guys who should be developing at a higher level and they're stuck someplace else because you can't you can't afford to to keep them on your on your national hockey league roster there so um i, I think it's it's not just a problem in toronto you know certainly was in ottawa we heard that story with pinto there before the whole suspension thing right and so i think all of these teams are being handcuffed by it and as a fan Again, it's not my money, right? It's not my guy. As a fan, I just want to see the best hockey. And I want to see the best players. And I want to see the best teams. And that would require, you know, spending above the cap. And listen, so the teams who, who can't afford to go above the cap and pay the, the luxury tax, they would benefit by getting that check back. That's a little kickback. So that's the trade-off. And maybe, hopefully, they would invest that into their own team. Although... Common sense tells me some owners would not do that. They would put that in their pocket instead, uh, such as the world we live in. Yeah, and I would still make sure that there's a floor. I love how Gary makes there's a floor. Yeah. Like right in the, yes. MLB, in the MLB, you don't need to go to floor. So some owners just they try to lose. You got to keep that floor. But I, I would yeah. love to see that luxury tax on the top. That floor helped me get my contract. Yeah, yeah. That's floor why this guy's living on the beach. He got because he'll tell him how to get to the floor. We had to get to Where, the floor. Is I'm sure a free agent. I'll give him four bananas a year. Come on now. I'm sorry. Did you even have to play for that? Thank God for the floor, boys. Yeah. Hey, Steve, we love what you do for the game, buddy. Uh, you're so good to us at Mr. Curfew. Last, are you coming out west to call a game at, at Crypto, or do they got? are you just an East Coast guy or coming out here to call a match? Because we'd love to love to take you out for a bite to eat. No, we got we got to do that. We got to get that done. I'll talk to the powers that be um, who make the schedule. I got out to Denver, so uh, did the did an Avalanche game, of course, against Chicago. Oh, it's Bedard. Uh, we're like the official network of the Chicago Blackouts. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope to come west. I love doing Kings uh, Kings games. At, I, I'm about the broadcast booth, and that booth is really good for the, the Kings games there. So that's really nice there. Uh, Anaheim, not as much. Maybe we can fix that. But yeah. Hey, tell the powers to be at ESPN. We'll we'll meet you in Vegas. It's almost halfway, right? We'll come to Vegas. You go to Vegas, and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll meet you there. Thank you for talking my language. No <laughs> argument there. I'll see you there. Pre game, post game, in game, the whole thing. Uh, Steve, man, thank you very much. Say hi to Bucci for us. Say what's up to PK. Keep doing your thing. You're great for the game, buddy. We love watching you. So thank you for taking the time, my man.
Thanks. Thanks, fellas. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Up dog, my man. The bat blue. Fellas out there, lots of things are better together, as we know, like playoff hockey or barbecuing with your boys, teeing it up, going to music festivals. Everything is better with Labatt Blue. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA in Buffalo, New York. Welcome back to Missing Curfew. Up dog, thank you to Steve Levy. Um, he was hurt. He was just a little upset about the Jets loss. Yeah, I was through it. Yeah, I know the Jets fell for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy watches sports all day long. He's always upbeat. Yeah, you know if his team loses one one game, he's always knows there's another match. I love that he had the Nordiques hat on for the boys too. Right? Yeah, the Nordiques hat on. Nordiques hat on. By the way, loves your your thoughts on a nice NHL luxury tax. Yeah, no, it's it's something that me and you have talked about a while here, and and I wanted to get his opinion on it because. You know, we talk about competitive balance and, you know, competitive balance. Like, look at the San Jose Sharks. They stink. Columbus stinks, right? I mean, there's yeah. there are always going to be teams that are bad, right? So, like, why penalize the good teams and say, hey, you can't make a move here, you can't make – I just think it's better for the fans. And listen, it's the way the world up dog. If you got more money than the other guy, you can do more cool yeah, shit, I agree. right? You can fly on a private plane. You can have three houses. If you don't, you can't. Uh, I mean, like Al says, like Al says, I want to be six five. Well, you're not, so <laughs> you know, you you can't go by the best players in the world right now. You know, unless you win, you want to compete. But yeah. no, it's great. I, I by the way, I just love um, insight from a guy that that knows the game so well and that has been very passionate about his job and calling a great game and giving the right you know the the right words in key moments and. Um, you know, we watched, uh, it wasn't too long ago, we watched the Boston Bruins Toronto Maple Leafs game and Steve Levy solely kept me interested in this game the whole way through until it got to overtime and there was great plays back and forth and, and he, the people tuning in to ESPN that day got to watch an incredible game, um, and the momentum of it all and, and it all just through his words was, was incredible. So it, you know, always a treat to get the best of the best when, you know, when you watch the game. Totally. And he is the best of the best, him and Bucci. And, but he loved my Rose Bowl idea. Eh? Said, first thing he's heard about it from Olbs. So, Bettman, I know you're not listening, but anyone in NHL, this somehow comes across your social media feed. Because I know it does. I get stuff come across my feed that I'm not following. So yeah. maybe this will come across somebody at the NHL well, office. You keep mentioning their names. The AI is going to yeah, yeah, fire it. It yeah. might even end up his email inbox. So Steve Levy said he, the first he heard of the Rose Bowl was from Missing Curfew, the boys at Missing Curfew. So if it ever does happen, he loved the idea. Um, he loved the idea of there's some beautiful places around this country, man. And, you know, he's a TV guy. Um, they got lots of people that work for ESPN that could set it up. And I, I just think, like, I like how he liked the idea of thinking outside the box of these stadium series games. But the Rose Bowl, to me, it's slammed up. Yeah, I've only seen concert there. Yeah. I want to say Kings, Golden Knights. No disrespect to our friends down here in Orange County, but Kings, Golden Knights. I agree. Rose Bowl. What's the perfect time of year for that? Max, uh, you're a tally guy. Like What's the February, perfect time of year for that? Valentine's Day battle at the Rose Bowl. Valentine's, you know, get a rose Valentine's when you show up to the Valentine's Day parade. December's probably the coldest. Why don't they call it the Valentine's Day game? At the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and get a road. It, it starts to warm sense. up in like January, I February. You with that. You know what I mean? The, the NHL, Valentine's Day game, the Rose Bowl. Rose could be anybody. As you know what, it saves the guys playing the games that have to take their wives out for Valentine's Day. Yeah. But so if you're a player, you're like, fucking right, so I'm playing in the Rose Bowl. 
And then I'll have to take my wife out for Valentine's Day. That's double win if I'm yeah, playing. And like, you know, for the real hockey avid fans, they like, you know, for Christmas, they give their wives like two VIP tickets to the Rose Bowl just so they can pretend they're doing something nice, although they're just going to watch their favorite guys play hockey. I like how you're tying in the Rose to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. I like that. I would love to see a game there. Uh, and when the sun's going down with the, is that the San Gabriel Mountains up there, Max? That's correct, yeah. San Gabriel Mountains. And it's just, it's just a nice feel. Nice feel. Yeah. And if it's on Valentine's Day, like the Updog wants, great little date spot for guys, you know, hey, let's go to the Rose Bowl for the Valentine's Day. You don't want to call it Max secure. Valentine's Day match. You know, you get, you get take her to the game. The Valentine's Day match. Depends if your team gets the asses. Yeah, yeah, Depends if you get dumped Valentine's morning. Hey, babe, yeah. you want to go to the game? Oh, she had a she had a big night before. And you just take your buddy. Yeah. If you get dumped before the game, you got to take your buddy. Take your buddy. Yeah, it happens. Ah, listen, if you're, Valentine's Day is probably big for you now because yeah. you've got a girl, but like, man, Valentine's Day when we played, like, it was a perfect day to be single. Because you know if you went out for Valentine's Day and there was a girl out there that she was single. That's right? right. Yeah, you're right. Hey, it was a great day. Or, her, or her boyfriend was in the bathroom and you just wanted to go chat with her anyway. Well, I mean, that sounds like somebody else I know, <laughs> but not, not me. Um, and I wanted to shout out, uh, our say sorry shout out. Um, you know, is, is is the Frozen Frenzy, yeah. which we thought both was great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Steve obviously liked it. And I, like he said, we don't need um, uh, every team to play, right? I get that's the way they want to do it off the get-go, but I think there's something there ups to where you know, you pick maybe the best five games, right? Or the best three, four, four early games, three at night in the West out here. And I thought it was cool. I thought it was a good idea. That's I think it's something they can continue to build on. But you don't need every team playing because they all played. And then the next night there was one game. It's like, come on, we can find a better balance. No, I think it's growth in the game. And I think it's the best thing uh, that we did this year, thinking outside the box. And we give credit to the to the team over there at ESPN because they put they you know they put it on our channels and they made it happen. And it was a success, and now it's something to to move on. It's yeah. something to, like, grow on. Build on. So, Absolutely. yeah, totally. I still think we – Princey said he couldn't find it, so I don't know if I said it. Or, I, I thought we talked about it last year. But uh, anyways, I think it's a good look for the NHL. And then last but not least, he mentioned Barry Melrose. And I love that he said Barry's not dead. Uh, you know, Barry's just retired from working at ESPN. He's got a big fight ahead of him. But, um, you know, Barry meant a lot to those people at ESPN and taught. You know, you heard Scott Van Pelt talk about I mentioned in the interview, like, he taught hockey to Scott Van Pelt. So it, it was good to touch on Barry. Uh, Barry, we're thinking about you, buddy. Uh, keep fighting, but um, just an all-time legend. You can tell how much he meant to Steve. Yeah, and if uh, if we ever get a chance to, you know, to, to see Barry and uh, have a chat with him, I mean, I would just, I'd ask him. About You'd have a cigar the, with the him. Day, I'd love to, and I, I'd talk, the days back in L.A., man, oh, they had to be so man. much fun. He's, call, he, he's calling a good game as a coach, and he's back there, and, Good suits. You would have loved Barry. He would right. walk around. Obviously, you could, you know, when I was playing for the Lightning in this time, yeah, he, he, smoke he, he could smoke room. in the dressing room, but he would have one in his hand. Just, he just to have. Look, like, yeah, he I like that. the studio. Totally. So he'll just walk around with it, waiting to light it up. He always had a stogie. Uh, obviously loved a good cold beer, good Saskatchewan guy. Uh, brought that old school mentality to hockey, and, and as the game evolved, he still always had that, and that's what I respected about him most, yeah. that he never lost his Saskatchewan you know, old school the floodline. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Barry, we're thinking about you. Thanks to Steve Levy, uh, Max Hall Pass Media. Thank you, Updog. You the man. That was Fella Friday. Missing curfew, Fella. Updog, Fella. If you're at the bar, club, or better yet, on the golf course, and you look over at the fellas to order something, and they all freeze up. 
Well, I'd tell them, hey, boys, loosen up. But what would you do, fella? Exactly. Have some confidence, fellas. Or as Jägermeister calls it, confidence. If everyone's struggling, here's what you do. Just order for the table. A round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, up dog, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. I guess so. And how do you think we should be drinking it? The fellas at Jägermeister, they want it at zero degrees Fahrenheit, Uppy. You know what? Thinking back, oh, when that cart girl comes around the path, Obes, and the boys are thirsty, and you're just wishing, damn, I'd love just a nice cold shot of Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging with friends or at the bar, call the shots, fellas. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check Jägermeister out at www.draftkingsxjagermeister.com. Drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. 